0: I'm here to tell you that positioning matters on LinkedIn. I'm talking about careful selection of what you include in your education, work experience, skills, and even your accomplishments. It all directly impacts how you're endorsed, how you show up in the algorithm, and what a recruiter or a hiring manager might think when they view your profile. Don't worry. Don't let all of this stress you out. It's actually quite simple to navigate. And in this episode, I've got step-by-step best practices to help you succeed in these areas. You're listening to a LinkedIn mini-series created by Vertforce, the virtual workforce. I'm Vertforce founder and active duty military spouse, Kimber Hill. In the last two years, I've helped over 2,000 virtual career seekers land remote jobs, and I'm here to help you too. In this series, I teach you how to launch a stellar LinkedIn profile that will command attention in the remote workspace and help you get hashtag hired or hashtag promoted. People are going to be visiting your profile. End of discussion. They're going to be seeing you on LinkedIn. So what happens when they get there? What you choose to include or omit in sections like education, work experience, skills and accomplishments, they're either going to strengthen your position as an expert or as the Authority in your career field, or they're going to confuse the visitor and make you look a little more skewed. So, take the best practices I'm teaching you in this episode and apply them because soon we're actually going to start networking and connecting. And I need you to have your profile ready so you can network and connect effectively. Welcome back to our module, Launching Your Stellar LinkedIn Profile. In this lesson, we are tackling your experience. In this overall module, we're working from the top of your LinkedIn profile all the way to the bottom. And I'm excited to dive into this one. On screen in front of me, I've got my curriculum. I'm going to be pulling things up on screen for you. We're actually also gonna talk about education, licenses, and certifications at the end of this lesson. But first, I wanna start with experience. Remember, course subscribers, you have a wealth of resources at your fingertips. I believe the most important thing for you is the library of completed LinkedIn profiles that you can browse when referencing experience and working on your own. If you're listening to Freemium, I invite you to follow along on my LinkedIn. You can find me at linkedin.com forward slash n forward slash career gal with a K. And go ahead and follow our Instagram at Vertforce. We're going to post images that link to these episodes. I also invite you to experience the full course, the premium version of this course called Rocket Remote. You can subscribe at bit.ly forward slash VF hyphen RR. Rocket Remote is a accumulation of our courses. So when you subscribe, you get instant access to not only our LinkedIn videos, our example LinkedIn profiles and templates, but you also get instant access to our other courses, which includes Resume Bootcamp. Subscribe at bit.ly forward slash VF RR. Let's dive into your experience. And this is the easiest part if you've been through Resume Bootcamp and your resume is finished. So I'm going to do a plug here for Resume Bootcamp. If you've not worked on your experience and you haven't been through that course, just go back and and do that. It's definitely worth your time. You can listen to this education first and then uh, resort back to the education that we provide about building your experience in RBC. It's very valuable. Our goal on LinkedIn, though, is to highlight major accomplishments at previous positions that support your digital elevator pitch. Your headline, your about section, that whole initial impression, all of this sells you. And your experience is here to provide just enough data to support your headline and your about section. Now, I say just enough data because we're not going to be tailoring our LinkedIn every time we apply for a job. So we want to bring a very high level synopsis of our data to the position. A big mistake that you can make is trying to tailor your LinkedIn every time you're applying for a job. Chances are, if an employer is looking at you seriously, they've evaluated your LinkedIn and they're going to return to it. So if they return to your LinkedIn after you've applied and you've made changes to your LinkedIn profile that tailored yourself to another job or to the job that you applied for, if it's different from what they experienced the first time, they're going to lose trust in you and you're going to be ruled out of the hiring process. I'm not making this scenario up. I have heard of our employment partners at Vertforce who have complained about this saying we were looking at this candidate she looked very strong for this position or he looked very strong for this position we returned to their linkedin profile and it was completely different than it was when we originally viewed it so we had to rule them out of the process linkedin in the remote world is becoming an increasingly important tool for hiring managers. They want to see who you are. If they can't see you in person or they can't see you outside of a video chat, they want to see who you are, who you're presenting to the world. So again, we're looking for high-level experience that you feel comfortable leaving there permanently and you feel comfortable that no matter what you say in these experience areas, you can deliver a compatible resume for it. So, this goes back to the groundwork, too. I'm just I'm going to say this. The reason why we did that groundwork in module in our module about building the LinkedIn launch pad is but so that you can know yourself well enough to know the kind of career you're after. I don't want you to be afraid of pigeonholing. Alright, so we discussed the concept of pigeonholing, being afraid to be specific, being afraid to be niche because we want to look like we would be a good fit for any position. It's the opposite. We want to be niche. We want to be specific so that we look like we are the perfect person for specific positions. Not an okay fit for anything, but the exact resource needed for something very specific that's what's going to benefit you. So for the experience section, let me cover my list of don'ts with you. Number one, do not not list experience. It is not okay to just have your job title there without something in the description field of your experience. Do not be afraid of pigeonholing. Own the position that you had, own what you did there, wordsmith it in a way so that it applies to the position that you are seeking in the future and it tells the story of how you became who you are. Don't list every single job you've ever had with every company. Number one, it's going to date you if you're of a certain age and you go all the way back to the 90s with where you worked and who you worked for you're dated, okay? And we don't want to do that. We don't want to put you at risk of ageism in the workforce. And also, not every job you've ever had is applicable. So just like we teach in resume boot camp, you should only include the positions that are data that support the career that you're after. So great example. If you are seeking a career in HR, don't include roles that don't apply to your HR experience. For example, you would likely not want to list your work as a data entry clerk, right? That doesn't really support HR, and maybe you did that five, ten years ago. It's not something that's relevant. Also, it takes a lot of time to enter your experience on LinkedIn, and I don't want you to get bored or waste your time entering data that's not relevant or supportive of where you're headed, or where you're going. Don't provide limited information. So what I mean by that is I'm only going to provide the role that I performed and the company, and I'm going to leave everything else blank. That in and of itself is not providing enough information to support your headline and support your about section. And at the same time, don't provide too much information. I'm going to give you guidelines of how much information to provide right now. Dues. I want you to list three to five of your most relevant jobs. If you think you need to exceed five, I'm not going to put my slam my foot down and stop you. But here's a great example. If you are... Let's use this headline that we were working with earlier. A nonfiction writer serving busy entrepreneurs with timely and data-driven white papers and articles. Let's say that's your headline. It is not relevant for you to list those three years as a dental assistant. Okay? That does not support where you're going or where you're headed. Now, if it were to come up in an interview, you know, what other things have you done? It's fine to mention that you've been a dental assistant. We're not hiding that information. We're just not going to use that to sell ourselves. What might be relevant for you to include is two years as an executive assistant where you were doing a lot of email production and writing for whoever you were working for. So we're using information and data from our past that supports where we are going, now, how do, we, how do we do that? Once we list the position, how much about that position do we discuss? Here's my rule of thumb. Three to five bullets or three to five sentences. No more. Keep it brief. Remember, LinkedIn is a highlight reel. It is not a resume. We want to leave them wanting more, leave them thinking, I need to read her resume or I need to meet this guy in person. I need to interview them. And so my third do for you is quantify, quantify, quantify. And this goes back to resume bootcamp, which is why I encourage you to take that course as well if you haven't done it already. Quantifying is the magic trick to draw in eyes. All right, so When we talked earlier about building the about section, we talked about not making it too long so that it's too verbose for someone to read, not making it too short so that it looks like you didn't put any time into it. That concept applies to the experience section. We want the experience section to not be too long, not be too short. But it is a lot of content to read. So one very major strategy for experience is to call out and quantify what you did. So using terms like 50% increase of ROI, things that allow you to use numbers and percentage signs and dollar signs, putting those in your bullets or putting those in your sentences so that it draws in the eye of the recruiter or the employer who's found their way to your page and they've taken the time to expand your experience and they're really getting to know you. So definitely quantify, we have a full episode on quantification from the resume bootcamp series. So what I'd like to do now is bring my LinkedIn profile on screen and scroll through my experience so you can see how it is formatted. I use bullet points. I have to manipulate this and I will show you now how I do that. I put a bullet in a Word document And then I copy that bullet and paste it into the experience. I love the way that bullet points are formatted. It's cleaner to me. And I will tell you that there are some HR professionals who will say that the paragraph style on a resume will date you because. On resumes, paragraphs back in the 80s, 90s, and early 2000s were the way that you communicated your experience. Today, using bullet points is the standard. We teach this in resume boot camp. On LinkedIn, it's not as crucial. If you use a paragraph on LinkedIn, it's not as dating. But I will tell you that if you use a paragraph on LinkedIn, it is overwhelming to the eyeball. And I'm being very literal here. My course subscribers can see me kind of jump back. When I see a big paragraph there, it's it's overwhelming to the eye and it's hard to read and process. I encourage you to use bullet points. If you use a paragraph, do not use more than five sentences. Um, either way, you'll be fine. And notice how I am including only my most relevant jobs. You guys, you're seeing only my most relevant work. I have had several other positions than what I am putting here in front of you, including a stent Um, where I spent a lot of time in the interior design industry. That's not what I do. That's not where I want to go. I was an executive assistant for an interior designer for a long time, and I worked for a bunch of different interior design organizations, and it was really fun. A really great part of my career that I think I took with me later in life because now I know how to decorate my house, and I have experience understanding how the business of interior design operates, but it has nothing to do with where I'm going with my life and my career model. So allow that to teach you and allow that to be your example of what you should be including and should not be including. Let's move to the next section, education, licenses, and certifications. This is really a no-brainer. It is vitally important that you complete it and fill it out, but it is very simple to execute. I'm going to give you my guidelines for this area now. So my two most important rules are don't skip this and be sure to link to actual institutions. On screen now, I'm gonna show you what I'm talking about. It can be very easy to accidentally link to the wrong institution or not link to an institution at all. You can see here, if you misspell the institution, a gray box will populate and it won't actually be linking to the college or the university that you attended. Now, if I re-spell that and do it correctly, it will link to the college. If I click the college, it will take me to that organization. General rules of thumb here, only list organizations which you attended. List them whether you graduated or not. It's okay, if you attended that school, you still have an affiliation to it. The reason why this is relevant is, uh, for example, I went to Birmingham Southern College even if I didn't finish my degree there, if I finished it somewhere else, someone else who attended Birmingham Southern College would recognize me as an alum, and there we would have a connection. The more institutions that you can connect to, the better. We'll talk about this in our next module more, but one of the great tactics for connecting with people on LinkedIn is to visit organizations on LinkedIn of which you are an alumnus and, or an alumni and connect with other alumni. So if you are connecting yourself as an alumni to these organizations or to these institutions at which you received certifications or licenses, then other alumni who are trying to connect can can help build their network and in turn build your network by connecting with you. So it's very important that you fill that out. Another thing that I'd like to advise you is don't list your GPA. That's going to make you look like a novice. It's going to date you unless it was incredibly impressive or if you graduated in the last two years. So incredibly impressive means a 4.0, nothing below a 3.9. I'm sorry. It doesn't count a 3.8. It doesn't count unless you were a 4.0. Do not list it. Okay. And unless, and I strongly advise you not to list it at all unless you're a recent graduate or it was a 4.0. Any and all certifications you've completed need to be linked here. Try to link them to their governance body just like the education component where we're trying to link to the actual university, we're trying to link to the college. One of the things that really frustrates me about my LinkedIn is I have a certification but the institution from which I received it is not affiliated as a certification provider on LinkedIn. So I have this little ugly gray box on my LinkedIn profile where I can't connect to a governance body of who issued me that certification. That's out of my control. That's up to that governance body to fulfill that need and they have not done it. So I can't control that, but you can. Just make sure you link to the right organization. With your experience, education, licenses, and certifications complete, you have accomplished a major milestone, and we're getting very close to the end of this module. You should feel like you have made a lot of progress, because we're covering a ton of ground all right, we're moving forward in finishing your profile so that you can attract the right opportunities that work for you. In the next lesson, we're covering endorsements and accomplishments, and that will be the end of this module. Let's go ahead and move into endorsements and accomplishments now. You're listening to the freemium version of Rocket Remote. For the full course experience, subscribe at bit.ly forward slash VF hyphen RR. All right, students, let's get started on endorsements and accomplishments. This is a very strategy-heavy portion of your LinkedIn profile. There are some very specific intentions that we are putting behind our endorsements. So first, what are they? Endorsements are opportunities for you to reinforce your claims about yourself and using your peers and colleagues to do that. We're not really going to talk about the interact, interactive component of endorsements in this module. That comes in our next module, Trekking LinkedIn. So what we're going to talk about now is standing up the keywords and skills that are going to support your endorsements. So your endorsements should be what you are stellar at. And you get to handpick these. When we move into the next module, you'll also learn about how to get your friends and colleagues to support your endorsements by asking for their help. Okay, so here are our endorsement goals. Number one, we want to pull in three to five skills for each category. So if you looked at, look at LinkedIn, you will see that they have categorized skills and endorsements. The three to five skills that we want to highlight should belong in these areas. Industry knowledge, tools and technologies, and interpersonal skills. So when we talk about languages and other skills, those do not apply. I'm not looking for you to add three to five skills to languages and other skills. List every language in which you are fluent. Other skills, I'm... I want you to kind of stay away from that and make sure that you have beefed up industry knowledge, tools and technologies, and interpersonal skills first before you move into other skills. So overall, I want you to have 20 to 25 skills. I do not want you to exceed that. I need you to be very intentional with your choices. Why? Your choices should reflect your digital elevator pitch. And your choices should support your online personality. And if we overstuff these, you're going to bring in choices that are detrimental to you. Because the endorsement section is interactive, if you bring in random skills and ask for endorsements on those, you're going to be wasting your endorsements on skills that do not apply. Too many skills or too many keywords leaves the people who are endorsing you thinking, "Oh, this person has fifty skills. I don't know what to endorse them for. Hmm, customer service seems like a good one. Let's go with that. Everybody's good at customer service." And I'm speaking from a hypothetical scenario. Fluff, too many skills in your endorsements is fluff and we do not want the weight of the endorsements to be absorbed in your fluff. So let me explain a little bit further. And again, we're going to go into detail in this on the next module. But the component of endorsements that is interactive is that your colleagues and peers can come through and click a little plus sign next to your skills saying, I vouch for her or I vouch for him. I know that they can perform this skill and this is what I'm going to endorse them for. So if you've stuffed some fluff in here that doesn't really represent you, you do not want someone who's endorsing you to endorse your fluff. When someone visits your profile to endorse you, they're prompted to endorse for three to five things. Most of the time they just click one or two skills to endorse, and they're just going to click the top two that everybody else has been clicking. I'm going to give you a great example in just a moment. On screen now, you can see an older version of my LinkedIn profile. This includes customer service, Final Cut Pro, and sales. These are skills that represented my early career. They are not skills that I am bringing with me to my next stop on the career train. You see, I'm not looking for a customer service role. I'm not looking to work with Final Cut Pro anymore. That's almost a completely obsolete piece of technology, piece of software in my industry. And hey, I'm also not looking for a sales job. I don't wanna do that. So why would I want these populating as keywords for me? The answer is, I do not. But the great thing about the endorsement section is anything that I include here as a keyword for myself is going to represent me as a keyword, represent me as my skills, and also allow my peers to endorse me for that skill. So you can begin to see how important the endorsement section is. And you can begin to see why we want to be very specific and very refined. I don't want you having 50 to 100 skills here. It is guaranteed understood that a lot of the things in many people's skills section are given, are kind of like obvious that you would be able to execute that skill and really should not be populating in your keyword assortment here. We want keywords that jump out, represent you, and indicate you're an expert with it. So I'm going to say one other thing about this to kind of help bring this advice to you full picture. In Resume Bootcamp, when we talk about the skills and technologies that need to be on our resume, we talk about not sticking in fluff. So a great example is saying I'm proficient in Microsoft Word. It is a given, it is understood that any career professional in today's career market should know and understand Microsoft Word. So unless you are applying to be a Microsoft Word expert with an organization, it's not relevant to include that on your resume or in your skills. We want to go deeper. So that would be considered fluff. And we want to keep that kind of fluff out of our endorsement section. We want to be specific about the things that we're very good at that make us unique. So how do we do this? How do we figure this out? It's a lot to think about. Oh, I, I need three to five keywords that represent me in these areas. This is where our editable LinkedIn worksheet comes in. So I want you to go back to that worksheet and flip to the page where we had you write down all of your keywords. I want you to look at the section of what you're good at too. This, between the keywords and what you're good at, we're trying to find a happy medium. So this should be your launch pad where you brainstorm your keywords. These are the artifacts that are going to help you populate the endorsements and skills section of your LinkedIn profile. Some guidance. Number one, and this is my favorite piece of advice to give on this topic. Do not include anything that you do not wanna be doing, honey. And we talk about this in Resume Bootcamp too, but the point is I have omitted customer service from my endorsement section because I do not intend to work in customer service again. So nothing here should be, even if you're an expert, even if you are the end all be all, where it starts and where it stops on that particular skill. For example, maybe you can write in Russian and speak Russian, but you hate it. You hate doing it at work. Uh, Maybe that's something that you've done previously and you're just like, I'm so burnt out on this. I can't imagine doing it anymore. Do not include it, okay? Because employers are coming to your endorsement section and your skills section to understand what you're good at and what they can hire you to do for them. And if it's there, they're going to consider you for whatever role they have that involves that. Okay. Uh, And another good example is data entry. If you have been doing data entry for 10 years, you hate it, You, you just think, if I have to do it another day, I am going to throw up. Do not include it, even if you've been doing it. Another one, cold calling. Don't list cold calling if you don't want to be cold calling. What I want you to list is what you are looking for. Even if it's a skill that you are still mastering, so maybe you want to be a voiceover artist, but you don't have a lot of it voiceover experience. You still need to list voiceover artist or voiceover uh, work as your skill, okay? Because you have to attract jobs that are seeking that in order for you to gain experience and move forward. So I need you to list what you're passionate about, what you want to be doing. Okay. That wraps up what we're going to be talking about for endorsements in this module. I want you to go work on those. Get your three to five. If you have a LinkedIn profile already, chances are what you're actually going to be doing is thinning out and deleting. And that can feel, it can feel like you're working in the wrong direction. I'm just gonna say it like that. It can feel like you're, I've I've had this endorsement here. I've had this skill here for so long. I have 50 people who have endorsed me for it. Deleting it feels counterintuitive. Trust me on this. That skill if you've got 50 people who've en- who've endorsed you for it, it is absorbing the impact of your endorsements. The more endorsements you have per skill determines where you show up in the search algorithm on LinkedIn for that skill. So you are continually populating for that skill and people and LinkedIn's algorithm is also continually suggesting to other LinkedIn users that they should endorse you for that skill. So it is working against you to have things there that don't align with where you're going. So delete it, get rid of it. (laughs) And if you're starting from scratch, you're probably in a better position because you're not kind of facing that internal dilemma of I feel like I'm losing progress. Trust me, it will be worth it. Let's move into accomplishments. This is a really fun, creative, flexible space to absorb anything that you want to include, but it just didn't fit in your experience. It just didn't fit in your summary or it just didn't fit in your headline. There are some cautions I'm going to give you about this. Let's start with what is accomplishments. It's this really nice flexible space on LinkedIn where you can include coursework you've completed, organizations you've volunteered for, publications that you've been that that you wrote that were published or that you've been highlighted in and many other things honors awards organizations you're affiliated with i want to caution you not to let this go overboard because you've run the risk of making yourself look like a perpetual volunteer a novice or you also run the risk of dating yourself in this area. So I need you to be very careful and list your most meaningful accomplishments. If you have volunteered with uh, 50 different organizations, don't come through here and list every single organization you have volunteered for. Try to make this very high level, Try not to include a lot of dates. So, for example, if if you've volunteered with American Red Cross in 1991, don't include the date. Or maybe not include that at all, unless maybe you've been volunteering with them since 1991. That's a little bit more impressive. But this dates you, right? If someone's scrolling through your profile, it makes you at risk for ageism in the workplace. Um, if they can see how long you've been involved, they can kind of gauge how old you are, and that may not be great for you. So consider that. And uh, elaborating just a little bit on being a perpetual volunteer, for a lot of us who are new to remote work and we've struggled with maintaining our career from duty station to duty station, we get to a new duty station and the first thing we do is volunteer. Before you know it, we've been there for three years and we never got a job. We just continued to volunteer and find things to pass our time. On a resume and on LinkedIn, if that's been your pattern, it can make you look like a perpetual volunteer and not a professional. So if that's your storyline, do not use this accomplishments area to tell that storyline. Instead, it might be relevant for you to include how many years of experience you have with a particular organization uh, and not indicate how many different organizations you've volunteered for. Again, what we're looking for in the accomplishment section is the most meaningful things that have happened to you and use it as a highlight reel. If you take a look at mine, I've listed some awards that have been important to me that I would like for my peers and colleagues to know about. And I've also used it to indicate organizations that I've recently volunteered for That made a difference in my life where I was also able to make a difference in the lives of others around me. But I cap it there. I've been involved with a lot of other organizations and I've had a lot other volunteer opportunities that I'm not including here. Ladies and gentlemen, congratulations. You have just completed launching your stellar LinkedIn profile. I'm so proud of you for making it this far. We started at the top of that profile, your cover photo, your profile image, and we worked our way all the way down to your endorsements and accomplishments. Now, we did skip a couple of areas on the profile, but those are going to be addressed in the next module called Trekking LinkedIn. There, we're going to cover recommendations. We're going to cover how to use the featured option, we're going to talk about networking, sending connections, and sending messages, really harnessing LinkedIn to land our next virtual career. All right, when you're ready, go ahead and move into trekking LinkedIn. You're listening to the freemium version of Rocket Remote. For the full course experience, subscribe at bit.ly forward slash vf rr. All right, Vertforce, that wraps up this episode of our LinkedIn mini-series. Thank you for listening. Corresponding images can be found on our Instagram. Our handle is at Vertforce. And of course, I invite you to become a Rocket Remote student. In Rocket Remote, you get instant access to the launching LinkedIn video course and all other courses in our Rocket Remote school. Subscribe at bit.ly forward slash VF RR. If you have questions or you'd like to connect about the content in this episode, You can reach us at podcast at vertforce.us. Remember, all content produced on the Vertforce podcast is the intellectual property of Vertforce LLC. Catch you in the next episode.